So, hi everybody. I am here when I can change my screen back with Serena and Sophie. How are you both doing? Good. Great. Thank you. Good, good, good. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, a bit exhausted um, over the last couple of weeks with the constant social media. So every time I go into my spare time, I seem to be either... I won't say arguing, but having difficult conversations with people. Um, mm -hmm. I've been trying to use a lot of my spare time to do a lot of research because I'm having conversations with people where they're throwing um, sort of things at me saying, well, what about this? What about this? And instead of being dismissive, I'm trying to look into stuff so that I can come back with, with a conversation rather than an argument. Um, but it's tough. It's really yeah. tough. You know, it's, it's, it's very hard at the moment. Have you had a similar couple of weeks? Yeah, and I've found that I've had to come off social media for the last couple of days because there's so much going on and it's processing that and trying to work out how we move forward as well. So it has been playing on my mind. It has. I guess for me, I've noticed a lot of ignorance um, and a lot of people that need to educate themselves. Um, but I've not wanted to engage with them. I've kind of looked at it as, you know what? I don't have the time to be educating you and getting into these arguments. So they've probably had about one line from me and then it's been like, I don't have time, educate yourself, yeah. goodbye. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and when you say ignorance, do you mean people who are unwilling to get involved in a conversation or do you mean people who just are completely dismissive to anything? It's the post, um, and it's from, you know, it's from whether they're black or white. Um, I think I got shocked the other day when I'd seen that a black person had put all lives matter. And I was a bit like, don't you understand actually what the purpose of black lives matter is and you're black? And I guess it was the ignorance that he actually can't even relate and understand that when you go out and you're walking down a street on a dark night, you're most likely going to get stopped um, over your white friend. And I don't think they can actually understand that. Yeah. And I guess it frustrates me an awful lot. So the, the Black Lives Matter, the wording, that's one of the biggest sort of controversial conversations I've been involved in. And then the other part is the white privilege. And as, as a, a working class white male, um, for many like years ago i felt really uncomfortable because i've i've sort of lived my life thinking that the the best way to show that you're not racist and the best way to not be racist is to not acknowledge um different people so i see people like i see is it a hoodie or is it a jumper it doesn't matter to me i don't care what you're wearing i don't care what your skin color is and i've been really sort of that's been the forefront of my, this is the best way to not be racist. You don't, you don't see colour, you don't do any of this, you don't get involved in any of that. If that's the best person for the job, they should have the job. If that's the most yeah. attractive person I've got a chance of going on a date with, that's who I'm going to go on a date with. It doesn't matter. Um, and what I've come to realise is that that's the opposite because you're just completely forgetting about people's past, about people's history, about people's struggles. So while yeah. I'm trying to create this level playing field, it's not 
the best way to do it. It's not like I'm, I'm missing out on all this understanding. There's an amazing video with um, a guy and he's offering a hundred pounds for this race and everyone's lined up and he says, I want you to take two steps forward. If y- yeah. y- your answer is yes. Have you seen the video? It's amazing. Yes. And then all these privileged white people are so many steps forward. And they said, I want you to turn around yeah. all these young black guys here. They would smoke you in a race, but you've got this head start and it's nothing to do with anything you've done in your life. Yeah. But look at how much of a head start you've got. And it's them sort of them sort of things that I've that's what's made me feel uncomfortable when we talk about white privilege, when we talk about yeah. Black Lives Matter, because now this thing that I've been dismissing the whole time is now a conversation. And when people say white privilege, I go, Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. And it's taken quite a few years for me to understand what that means and it's not about wealth it's not about you know yeah. i'm always sort of like well i'm from a council estate what white privilege have i got uh-huh. and it's that understanding so what's the best way to explain to somebody what what you mean by white privilege <laughs> or what is meant by white privilege God. do you want to start <laughs> i'm really really blunt um i i'll lead them to books and i'll say we're not even going to have the conversation because just like you, I've gone to a school where I've not been given the education on black history. My parents have had to teach me because we haven't been taught history correctly within school. So I will give them books to read. Yeah. You know, I've told them about White Fragility that's to read, really, really good book. I've told them about um, Natives to read, really, really good book. It's about them understanding what, how we feel, where it comes about for them, so then they can understand where the privilege actually comes. But I yeah. think self-educate I can't actually I'm, I'm ignorant to it now I'm like no I can't do it so I think for me it's more of I do pose the question and I do ask like do you think about these things on a day-to-day basis so one of the things I put up a couple of um, weeks ago well I think it would have been the week before last that I basically said being black and having to think about where you book on holiday and how welcome black people are in that country and we literally have to research that at times, you know, to find out if we're going to get that, that, the experience that we deserve when we're spending a lot of money. What, are they going to appreciate us in that country, being there? Um, even the fact of going for a job and having to think, oh, do they have other people of colour there? Um, how are they going to be towards me as a person of colour? It's all these things that you know, do you think about, do you have to think about your skin colour being a barrier when you're going into new social settings? And that's basically what it means to, to me when, it, when we're thinking about privilege. Like, also, white privilege is, you know, we could be on the same charges. We could do an offence and have the same charges and I could have a harsher sentence than you. Um, and that's happening. That's the truth of the matter. Yeah, one one of the other things I think that really got me thinking was um, a conversation we had on the phone a couple of days ago where you mentioned about um, if you've got a white sounding name and you're meeting someone for the first time that only knows your name, that mm-hmm. sort of when you walk into a room, their expectations being different to what's presented to them. Yeah, we find that a lot anyway, because both our names, I'm Sophie, she's Serena. Um, people don't know what to expect once they speak to us on the phone. So if they've never looked at our website, they expect two white girls to walk through the door. Then they get us. And it's <laughs> okay, what am I going to get here? Yeah. Um, 
And for me, I, we always, we're just ourselves. If you like as you like, as we don't like as you don't. Yeah. Um, but I do know that for me, having my name, I've not had to struggle for job interviews. I've never had to worry. Whereas I've got friends who have been applying for jobs for over two years, but because they have an African name and they have the right skills, the right qualifications to actually get these higher paid jobs, they're not even being shortlisted. Yeah. Um, so it is, you are, people judge you yeah. on the simple thing as a name. Yeah. And I've been told a few times as well, um, you know, especially when I was um, working on placement, I'd be organising like um, sessions in communities to do workshops. And I remember sorting out a session and getting there and the woman's being surprised when I've said it's Serena. And she kind of looked very surprised and said, oh, I, I, I wasn't expecting you. And yeah, it took me by surprise. How, you do, know, you, how do you react told, to that? <laughs> I don't sound white. I don't sound black, sorry. I've been told that. Um, what does that mean? You don't sound black. What does that mean? What does black sound like? That's what I always want to know. <laughs> wow. So this, this is, I've, I've spoke to people who are saying, you know, similar things about sort of being prejudged, either if they know what you look like before they meet or if they just know your name before they meet. So it's that sort yeah. of, that preconception of of meeting somebody it's and again it's something i've i've never i've never had to worry about i was just explaining like it's it's not even on the same level but if i go to a um a middle class poetry event with my baseball cap and my tattoos i'm prejudged because of the yeah. way i look but it's nothing like what what you guys are having to put with on a on a regular basis and again well like, if, go on, if you look at this phil you can change the way you dress at any point yeah we, I can't change my skin colour. Yeah. Well, if you shouldn't have to. Yeah, you shouldn't have to. Though. This is the thing. It don't. You don't change because your skin colour does. You say. I yeah. mean, when we first met, we was in that place in Huddersfield, and you both just bounced over. It was like hi, da da da, and you were just like the most welcoming people I've you know I've met in a long time, and it was just it was really nice. And then I thought I need to go and speak to them, and we had a really good chat. Um, and it was it was just. That, this is what I mean. It was there was no prejudgment. I didn't know about what you were doing. I didn't know about the yeah. work, and I came over and we had a brilliant chat. And the work which we will talk about soon that you're doing is absolutely amazing. Um, so going back to the the difference between saying Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, like I say, this is one of the main things, and it it feels like people are like, what about me? What about mm. us? And some of the some of the main things, so people are highlighting things that have happened to white people. So Lee Rigby is one of the biggest ones. Their families put a statement out saying, we don't want to be involved in this in any way. And the difference being, people were prosecuted. So the Black Lives Matter movement is about white police officers killing black Americans with no consequences. And it's, it's how do we stop this from happening? And then we've got people saying, yeah, but this little girl was, and I'm not saying that this isn't a horrible thing, but my response is up until six weeks ago, what were you doing about that little girl's murder? What was you doing when Lee Rigby was killed? Was you out protesting? Was you making noise? Were you trying to raise awareness? Were you doing anything? And if not, why are you doing it now? See, yeah. I've had to face that conversation today, actually, in regards to Lee Rigby, and I saw a post come up. And the fact of the matter is, that was a terrorist attack. 
and there was loads of protests about Muslims, Muslim people were victimised and there was a lot of uproar about it but yet people are using that as an example. Um, I find it ludicrous and to have conversations that I feel like I shouldn't be having it with people because you should understand the difference and the fact that someone actually being on someone's neck for nine minutes and they're dying on the screen, screen for us all to see their family, their children are seeing this. That's a big thing. But yet you're saying, oh no, you can't be saying black lives matter because all lives matter. Yes, all lives do matter. But in this instance, black lives matter. And we need to stand up and be accounted for because for me as a black person, I feel like we're always undershadowed. We're always seen as we can never get to this point in life. We're always meant to be stagnant and be here. And when we try and push forward and break down the barriers, then we're told we're aggressive. We're told that we're trying to cause problems. Now it's, oh, you're all going to make the second part of lockdown happen again. You're going to give us all COVID. Hang on a second. Everyone's been at the beach for the past few days, weeks, <laughs> enjoying the sun. You don't think social distancing mattered then? But no, it didn't because everyone was enjoying the sunshine. But because it's a black thing that people are shouting about and saying, we want to be classed as equal as you, there's now a problem. And that a lot of it is through lack of education. And it's also because people feel uncomfortable talking about race. But yeah, yeah they love the culture. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> Before she goes on. I've got to say, Phil, that we're talk we keep talking about this the whole issue that it like it's an isolated issue you know black lives matter has been going on for a very long time and we can go far as back as the 50s and 60s the civil rights movement this isn't an isolated issue this is something that's been going on for almost 400 years the oppression of black people and it's got to a point now where we have an opportunity to really do something about it. And it's not just black people that want to do something about it. There's white people that are fed up too, you know, that have got family members and friends and they've actually seen, you know, the racial discrimination that they've actually experienced and they want to stand up as well. So when we think about this as an, as an issue, it's not just something that just turned up, you know, it's been going on for years and years and years. And we have the opportunity now where people, the world's listening to make a difference for the next generation. And I'm so, I am happy that these others that are non-black that want that too. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the, like, I, I don't agree with riots. I don't think that, you know, banging your fists on a table is the way to resolve anything. Mm-hmm. But before However, the riots, he was just sacked. The copper that killed him was sacked. Yeah. That was it. End of story. We, we appreciate he did wrong. We've kicked him out. Done. Then the riots start, and now he's gone up for murder, murder in the third degree, and then it's been upgraded to the second degree. It's still not where it needs to be, but it's better than yeah. it just being sacked. And yeah. I think with, with the riots, what's happened is, and I do think that this time the riots were a positive thing because it's making people talk about it. It's making us have this conversation. It's making people tune in and listen, you know, Mm. and although I I said to somebody, you know, I've been doing this for a week and sometimes I just think, do you know what? I've had enough. I'm just going to, and then I think I've been doing this a week. I've been trying to talk to people for a week, maybe two weeks. And that's, that's the extent of my involvement up to this point. I mean, I've always sort of tried to promote a positive message before, but really sort of getting into it it's been happening for let's say a week and a half, two weeks. 
and it's exhausting. And I just think, yeah, but how long have other people been having these conversations? And yeah. for that reason, I've tried to I've tried to be as sort of respectful with my conversations on social media as possible. I've tried to include people, and I've had people remove me from social media because I'm questioning their things about Lee Rigby. I'm questioning their things about you know all these other things that are happening. Um, and I, I genuinely feel like the, the riots have been positive because they've made people talk about it. They're making, like I've had so many conversations with people that have sort of said, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. And it's because I'm being honest about how I used to think, which I think is very similar to a lot of other white people, you know, who, who would consider themselves as 0% racist, but then still having the same sort of view as me, where if you don't see color, then that's, that's the best way to be but without actually understanding, again, the history. So me being able to talk like openly as I can be and about how I do feel uncomfortable when we talk about black and we talk about white and we talk about white privilege because it is uncomfortable and it's about understanding, all right, why do I feel uncomfortable? Why why do I feel uncomfortable? Because we're saying white privilege. And it's for me to understand that. And then when I understand what that's about, sort of sharing it with people and trying to help them understand as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough. I just want to say as well that I don't agree with rioting. And the thing is that we shouldn't have to have violence. We shouldn't have to have rioting to, miss, to see a difference. But if you look at some of the greatest revolutions that happened in history, those things had to happen and it's a shame they did. But if you're not making a noise, who's going to listen? And it's a shame yeah. that we have to do, it has to get to this point. You know, and this is the thing with society. If you're quiet and you do peaceful protesting, no one listens. Yeah. And if you think about football hooligans, they go to other countries, England fans, you look at any photos of riots, it's all, you know, working class white males who are all smashing up shops for, yeah. for what reason? Because their football team lost. Is that a good enough reason to smash up a shop? But fighting for innocent people being killed isn't. You know, where's the balance? If you didn't use the word black and they were fighting for a person's innocence, it would be okay. And that's the difference. And it's frustrating that people are being so against riots. Like the looting, I think... Even now, it's a step too far. But again, it's, it's encouraging conversation. And if you're more concerned about a shopkeeper's stock than you are about an innocent life being taken, then I think your morals are yeah. completely off. You know, why, why, is, why are you making noise now about these riots when you weren't making noise about people being killed? Yeah. And I think people I, I, need to really sort of think about how that makes them feel inside. What's, you know, what's more important, human life or things. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not just one life. This is a thing. No, this is There's it. There's been many lives. Yeah. I've been, I've been looking through and I've got literally a list in front of me of, I, I mean, I found in the short time I've had around 25. Someone helped me out. There's a post where it's um, hashtag I can yeah. walk home from a shop. And that gives you a link to somebody who was killed just walking home from a shop. You know, there's two incidents of um, black Americans breaking down in a nice neighborhood, knocking on a door to ask somebody for help. One was male, one was female. And then them two people being killed by the police. 
with no weapons, with no nothing. Um, and I, I know 100% that one of them, the police weren't charged for murder. I hadn't looked into the second one to know. But there's so many stories where the police have been called for non-emergency things and then they they arrive to a black person and then it escalates. And I mean, some of them have been killed in handcuffs. Well, George Floyd, obviously, but yeah. some shootings. There was the one that... I mean, they're all really upsetting. There's one where there's a guy who is literally laid on his back with his hands in the air. And he was um, looking after a, an autistic guy who I think the autistic guy was around 20. And he sat on the floor with a truck in his hand. And the black guy is literally, if you imagine being laid on your back like you do on your bed, but with your arms up in the air. And he's trying to communicate with the police what's happening. And he's saying, we're out with a group and this, you know, he's strayed and I'm with him and I'm just trying to get him back. And he's laid and then he still got shot while he was laid on his back with his arms in the air. He yeah. did. He wasn't killed, but he was shot in that position. And it's like, for, for what? He was, he was obviously not a threat to anybody. And no. he's trying to explain that he's caring for this autistic boy. And the report changed a few times. Um, uh, it kept bouncing between different reasons why the gun was fired. And it ended with, um, they were trying to shoot the autistic guy because they thought he had a gun. Even though the guy's laid shot and it's only a truck in his hand. And you these see, are the things that are getting ignored. You know, this is, that's, that's one story out of a list of around 25 that I've got here. And they're only the ones that I've found from researching in the last couple of days. It happens here in the UK. Um, you know, we've seen a local person to us, Adrian McDonald, you know, he was killed um, for no reason. Um, someone reported that he was breaking into a house. He was invited to a party and they, they, he got killed. You know, we've got Stephen Lawrence. His, his death has been, what, over 20 years now? Yeah. And still no one's been convicted. There's so much that happens within the UK in regards to black lives that something has to change. And it has to change now because for our generation, it's been going on too long. We got given freedom from slavery, but yet we're still enslaved. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the one that got me with the UK, there's a guy in Hull called Christopher Alder and he was arrested and handcuffed and put on the floor of the police station with his pants round to his knees yeah. and they were laughing, making monkey noises um, and he died in the, in the police station on the floor but I think it took a long time for him to have his funeral and then the council eventually, uh, the police eventually apologised um, and took responsibility, or the council. And what they realised that same year is that his body wasn't even buried where it was supposed to be. Um, a 77-year-old woman that had their bodies mixed up. So his family had to go for a while. Wow, Phil, I just like, when you're saying all of this, it kind of, it really does like hurt hearing it all. Mm. And I think some white people will look at what's happening now and say that, why are they being extra? Why are they being going over the top? And we're, you know, we're blowing it out of proportion and stuff. I'm going to be brutally honest with you, Phil. Um, I feel like I've almost gone through a grieving process and I want to explain this to you because for the past couple of days, it's really put focus on what my ancestors went through. You know, when you read about, you know, during slavery, them being lynched, you know, they were taken from Africa, you know, enslaved, kidnapped, working for hundreds of years for free on plantation, being raped, abused. And I just think of them and the strength that they had, you know. And I think I've been going through that process of thinking about 
their experience, which is a lot worse than what we've experienced. And we're feeling that anger and pain. Imagine how life was like for them. Hmm. And, and this is the pain and the trauma that gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. And I know some people won't be able to understand that, but there's a lot of pain there, you know, to know that our ancestors went through that and we're still going through this how, how many hundreds of years later, we're still not equal. We're still not having the same opportunities. We're still, our, our people are still being killed as well. It, it does hurt. I can't lie. So the, the deal with the statues, have you got, mm. like what, what, what's your opinion on the statues being, so there's the ones that were pulled down, but the people of Bristol have been asking for that statue to be removed for, I want to say around 20 years. It's been a very, very long time and it's still not happened. And I think that is the only one that has everyone's support. And then there's the other ones where people are finding things about people's past and saying, well, this one needs to come down. And some places have physically removed them before they've had a chance to be damaged. Do you think that that's a positive thing or... For me, I'm in the middle because I believe that we need to preserve history. I think it's good for children to look back and be able to see this is where we was at in 2020 and we were still celebrating these people and they were out here. But if we put some history behind it, put what they did, don't just rejoice them as that's what everyone does. Oh, well, this is a great thing. Actually put the truth, own it. Put the truth of the history, it is all historical. And as much as we're saying we want to hear about black history in schools, this will relate to black history in schools because you're going to put the truth, teach what they actually did, keep them up. Why We don't need to take them down if we're actually using the right context. Yeah, and I think we do, education is key. At what price, yeah, we are glorifying these people, they did great things, but also, what about the bad things these people did? So, you know, with British history, a lot of it's always great. Everything's great. And we don't touch on some of the, the, the wrongdoings, you know, that have taken place. And that's where people are getting miseducated. So they're looking at statues and saying, they're the reason this country is great. But at what price, price did people, at what price was paid for those, for, for them to be acknowledged as great people? How many people died? How many people were chucked over boats? and killed for, during slavery, you know? They built this country up, but they built it from, you know, enslaved people who was giving free labor. So we need to remember the backstory to that, that their success. What actually happened, the truth. The truth needs to come out and it, it should be in the history books. Yeah, I mean, you've got, how, is it Black History Week we have? Is it? It's mum. Is it's it Black mom. History Mum? So you've got one twelfth, yeah. and that's that's it. Like, why is it not just part of our year? Why is it? Why is it just a month, and then the other eleven months we don't we don't? I mean, what did we we had to kill a mockingbird, and that's probably the <laughs> extent of our knowledge through school. That's all we was ever taught about. The thing is, even with Black History Month, it's not really taught in school. They come no. probably a week. They might put some posters up, but there's actually no meaning behind it. There's no. Yeah, it's usually just a nice display, in it? That's all. That's all you really see. Yeah, I've had it myself with my son who's in school, and I sent black black books in that he reads at home. I took it into school, and they put it off week one. They put it off week two, 
And only because he was persistent did they read one of the books to the class, but they didn't want to explain it because they had to speak about why this was happening. And it was like, well, you should be embracing all your different cultures because when it's Ramadan, you'll talk about Muslim history yeah. and you'll think about the purpose of Ramadan. But when it comes to that one time a month, where you're going to celebrate something that we need educated anyway throughout every year, they don't want to do it. And it's like that in a lot of schools. There's people are scared to talk about race and discrimination that's happened because it's then going to open up other conversations, which then gets parents then upset because you don't know what's being said in the home. Yeah. Mm. I mean, to be honest, Phil, we shouldn't, we shouldn't even be having a Black History Month. We shouldn't even need a Black History Month because history is history. Depend, it doesn't matter where it's come from. And if, if Black History was in the curriculum, we wouldn't need a Black History Month. Yeah. Uh, when, when we studied, you know, remember being at school, you studied about Tudor times. Yeah. Did you even think black, there was a black presence in Tudor times? Did it ever come across to you that there was? No. Well, there was. You know, mm -hmm. they, they had royalty, they had knights who were black, and that's just not taught, you know. I just thought that black people weren't around during Tudor times. We didn't exist until I got older and started to study for myself, and they were very much present. Well, they do mention it, but they just say the Moors, but they don't yeah. tell you what the Moors were, so you never actually understand. Yeah. Yeah, there's a difference between acknowledging and investigating. So just by saying that this was a thing, like you yeah. say, they don't do it because it opens up conversation. And then there's that that in itself takes you off in a completely different direction, doesn't it? And we're not yeah. sticking to what the focus is yeah. on this lesson. Um, the best argument I've seen so far for people going against the statues being pulling down, being pulled down. Sorry, is um, should we put a statue up of Jimmy Savile for all the um, work he did, fundraising, and all this sort of stuff, and just ignore the bit about him being a paedophile. You know, should we? Is that is that you know something we should do? Because that's basically what they're saying. Yeah, they did all these brilliant things, but let's just ignore how that came about because they still did all these great things. So yeah. we should have a statue of them. Um, <laughs> you should actually. I think yeah. that would open some great conversation. It would, but, but at least we know who he is and what he did. We actually know that with these statues that are up. A lot of people don't know the bad, th the wrongs that they did. They just think they're glorious people and they never yeah. did anything wrong. And you know, so as long as the truth is being told, what the statues can be up. Just tell the tell the story as it is. Yeah, um, the when I was telling you earlier about um, feeling uncomfortable about when people say white privilege, and I, I saw a story about you two. Um, and it was <laughs> Alana Francis who wrote this story. And as I, as I was saying this to Serena on the phone the other day, I had this moment of realisation um, of, of why. So I was sort of, I felt really uncomfortable because it's like black women launched this online youth thing and it's amazing. And I was just <laughs> like, but why do they have to be black women? You know, why, why are we saying black women have done this thing? Why can't they just be celebrated as, you know, this is an amazing thing that's happened. And I've just done an interview with my nephew who is from a council estate who has turned 18, he's got two jobs, he's got a car and he's going to university to be a PE teacher. He's putting all this time aside for his study. And I wanted to tell people about how brilliant he's doing because he's from a council estate as a way to say, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from and da, da, da. And as I was saying, I was like, oh shit 
I did that with my nephew and it's because they're <laughs> under they're under celebrated you know we expect people from a council estate to not achieve too much and he's absolutely smashing life at the moment and as I'm saying it, I was like oh that's what it is that's what yeah. it is you know the not just black people but specifically black women are the most underappreciated in any sort of social in any sort of work um and it's when you're doing something that's amazing, we should be specifically saying, look at these two young black females who are absolutely smashing this, this whole industry where, you know, everyone struggles to survive. We're constantly fighting for money. We're constantly fighting to do the right thing for young people. And it's a really, really tough industry to be in. It's a really tough job to do. And when you're trying to create new things, it is. And I was like, do you know what? We should be shouting about it because you are doing amazing. And this is exactly why we should be doing it. Yeah. Bill, can I ask you a question? Yeah. If the headline had said, two black boys stabbed, would you have felt uncomfortable? Uh, honestly, probably not, because it's something I see more. Okay. Um, that, that's, a more that's something I'm more likely to see. Ex yeah. Yeah. And this is, so, this is exactly the point. Yeah. Yeah. So when we put the word black with something negative, we're comfortable with it because we're used to that through yeah. the tabloid. But when it's anything positive, we feel uncomfortable that way they're using the, you know, the term black. So yeah. you're not the only person that's felt like that. But mm. guess what I did for a moment, if I'm honest, and I had to really reflect on that. I really had to think why. Yeah. What makes me feel uncomfortable about that? It's our conditioning. Mm. You know, when black is put with negative, we expect it. It sounds normal. When it's put with something positive, why, why are we saying black? Yeah. It's, it's a real shame. It's a it real is, shame. like I say, as soon as I started saying it, my nephew just popped in at my head. I went, you did it with him. You want to show that, yeah. you know, you don't, council estates don't have to be the sort of be all and end all of what your, what your life can be. Um, so yeah, I, I called myself out on that mid sentence and I was like, yeah, I get it. I get it straight away. And I think that, wow. that is literally because of everything I've been trying to look into and sort of the appreciation of, of, well, not the appreciation because I can never appreciate what that what that struggle's been like for you, but just trying to understand really. Well, you're not the only one. I guess for us, we've also seen people that we know call out the term, why did they have to use two black women? Um, and I guess at times we were kind of shocked, like, well, why would you even be saying that? You know, we are two black women and we thought you would be celebrating us as women and that we are black and that we're achieving something for, you know, a community that isn't actually seen to be achieving that well. And we've always got to shout about it. Yeah. And so it was in a black paper. So for a black newspaper to actually be shouting about black people, that's not a bad thing. That's yeah. what they should be doing. <laughs> yeah. And someone's got to shout out some positives because we can be in any other paper and they will ignore our color. If we do something wrong and we broke the, broke the law next week, it were these two black women from Conscious Youth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely. I love when they say black because I think, good, I want my daughter to hear this. I am black and I'm proud. And I want you all to realise I'm black and proud. And I'm going to be unapologetically me and just love myself and make you love me. And if you don't, then you're lost. <laughs> it's hard not to, if I'm honest. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> 
so, so what what can people do what so i'm a white man what can i do to support to help to understand what what advice would you give people who are watching this thinking i want i want to help but i don't know how all right firstly when i look at you you embrace the black culture by your dress yeah yeah, yeah. where you you spit your bars when you're doing your poetry so <laughs> by taking a look in the black culture by Wallet edelman i would say you need to educate yourself now read up get books I think it's something that you have to educate yourself because as much as we can sit and have conversations and try and educate you, you get more power from actually reading the book. As I say, knowledge is power. Yeah. But when you're reading through those books, it's kind of going to hit home and you will self-reflect as you're reading it. And there'll be parts that resonate with you and parts that you kind of think, all right, this is a discussion base here. So let me hold that for a conversation with some of my friends of colour you know, or maybe I have these conversations with my white friends and see where their thinking is. And I think that's the way you can open further conversations because as a black person, I'm going to be honest, I can't educate anyone anymore. You know, I've had to, my parents had to educate me and I've had to continue educating myself. I don't have the patience to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's only been well, nearly two weeks and it's been it's been tough you know yeah. and it just feels repetitive it just feels yeah. like you have the same conversation with the same person and they're trying to try and wangle what they're saying in a different way and you just think no no it still stands <laughs> you know I'll say it again and I've tried changing black lives and white lives to rugby and cricket I've tried <laughs> doing all sorts to make it understandable like yeah rugby and cricket you know we know we know cricket exists, but we're talking about rugby now. And to introduce cricket to rugby, it just won't make sense. So if you want to talk about cricket, we can, but let's keep it separate from rugby. And it's just yeah. how many ways can you think to say that, you know, it's not, it's not the same. It's not, we, we need to be talking about this one particular thing at this moment in time, because it's, this is what's happening. You know, um, yeah. I've got, I've got some comments on here. Um, so David's saying, can I ask a question? Would it be better to educate better instead of tearing things down yeah i do um i'm i'm not for one for tearing things down i love history you know i go to different countries to see the history of that country and see how they've brought themselves up or see where they were so for me i'm not you know i'm not saying tear things down i'm saying nation there make accessible give a true account of history is yeah. what i'm saying I don't want to see them destroyed. They were no. taking the time to build them and put them up and it'll be an artist's time that's gone into that. You know, that's someone's creation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's okay. okay. No, neither do I. I agree, Sophie, with everything you said. But do you know what? Some of the uh, media that I've seen of the tearing down these statues and stuff, there's more white people involved than black faces. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's because white people is like, we don't know what to do. Let's just, let's just, just do, do something. Just do yeah, something. Let's do I watched something. a really good um, conversation about the blackout on Instagram. And it was um, an Italian American, New York type guy. And he was just like, it's just lazy people. Lazy people are like, well, what can we do? We don't really want to go out and protest. What can we do? Let's just, yeah. let's put a black picture on our profile, which is, you know, there's no color. Let's just, let's just do nothing. Let's just post nothing and let nothing come down. And I was like, I understand, but it's about awareness. 
So yeah. regardless what you do, if it's making people talk, then that to me makes sense. Um, Laura's put about a book that she's reading called It's Time to Talk About Race. Have you review seen that one? Is that a good book for people to read? Or is there any books you'd recommend? Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Really good. <laughs> I, didn't know, I, can't I thought that was a statement. Is that the name of a book? That's the yeah. name of a book. Oh, okay. She also has a book. Um, oh, I've forgotten her name now. I would get up and get the book, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, if you just put why I'm no longer talking to white people about race, it will come up. Renee, she's called Renee. She will come up. She has been doing vlogs since 2014 on it. She then put it into a book. She was going out and about doing actual book talks to people about why she does it and holding open debates. Um, and I think it's healthy for people to talk about things they don't understand. Don't get offended. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely that book. And also Queenie. Yeah. Um, that I've just that. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. Queenie. That will give them an understanding of how it feels, how a black girl will feel when she's looking for, when, she, when men want to date her, how she's seen, um, how it is going for jobs and how hard they've got to work to get to a higher level, but yet they'll have counterparts who don't work half as hard. And that is true to life, so Queenie, mm -hmm. definitely, just to see what we go through. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's also, sorry, there's also some um, documentaries as well on Netflix at the moment. Is it so 13th? Yes. I've got, yeah. that, I've got that to watch. I tried to get it in today, but the, I was up till 2 o'clock this morning trying to get the last video finished, so I haven't had a chance yet. Um, if black history was in the curriculum, we wouldn't need... Black history, which is exactly what yeah. what you've both said. Um, oh, you said something about don't be um, offended. I think defensive is also the other thing. Yeah. So yeah. try not to be defensive about. If we're talking about one particular thing, it's not saying yeah. anything about you as a person or you know your experience. Or it's just it's it's not a comparison. This is the thing that I keep trying to get to people. We're not comparing this to anything. It's just yeah. understanding this this situation, you know, this this sort of thing. Um, I've got Dazu said, if we keep breaking up the past, how can we ever move forward? And I think my answer to that is until people have a full understanding of the past, we can't move forward. So we need to yeah. keep talking about it until people understand and appreciate what is meant by the past yeah. you know what 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 was going on what's what's changed yeah. what hasn't changed what you know people think that there isn't racism anymore and until people get an understanding of what is actually going on yeah, i don't think we can yeah. stop you can't move on from the past until we are treated as equal at the end of the day that's like saying okay i'm gonna open that door walk through it but i can't close it behind me because we're never moving forward. We literally get one step forward, 10 step back. We can mm -hmm. never move forward as black people. When we're getting the equal opportunities and we don't have to overqualify, when we're looking for a job, we have to be overqualified more than the person yeah. that's going to get it. We will have bosses that are uneducated, won't have the same skill levels as us, and we're expected to actually help them with their job because we're overshadowed. So when all these inequalities happen and you actually take us on our educational value, our skills and knowledge, then yeah, we can start closing the door. But right now we're not even treated better yeah. than other times. So, you know. And you know what as well, when you can't even have conversations about the past, how can we move forward? Mm. Some people do not want to talk about um, the slavery and what happened and how 
people played a part in that. Some people just, you know, they shy away from that conversation. Uh, we need to be honest. We need open, honest conversations about even now what's happening now and how we move you know, forward together. But until people not really acknowledge what's going on, we can't move forward. Because it's, if, imagine you saying I'm hurting, I'm hurting, and the per no one's listening to you. How do you move past that as a person? Yeah. You know? You know, and I think we have to start looking at things. We're, we're in a world now where there is so much diversity, so much mixing of cultures. You know, there's so many mixed race people and mixed family. But we yeah. have to start understanding each other's cultures. I'm, you know, I, I'm in a mixed relationship and I have to understand where my partner's coming from, even though he's, he's dual heritage. Um, I have to understand that he was brought up with a white mum. And I have to understand that what I know, he doesn't know. So I have yeah. to educate him. Yeah. I have to educate his whole family because at times they've made racial statements that I thought is okay. And I'm a bit like, hang on a second. And I guess it needs to be done because the world is a melting pot. The UK is a melting pot. And we need to start understanding that the people of mixed race are going to be taking over black and white anyway. Yeah. You know? So we yeah. have to start embracing it from now because we're all going to be the minority coming soon, you know? Yeah. Right, okay. Um, someone just messaged me talking about my my serious face, so I'm trying to smile more. But I feel like I feel like if I've got a serious face, it's because we're talking about a very serious thing. It's a serious issue. Exactly. I feel it all the time, don't we? Like the resting face. <laughs> um, so just a couple of points that people have made. So teach about the history of immigrants into the country and the role they've played. The Moors were Muslims and African. What impact have they had on the whole of Europe? Yes. Education is key in all areas. Um, yes. History is part of the curriculum in schools until age 16. However, it is very whitewashed and lacks diverse teachings. Yes, I agree. Oh, and then Katie Clark said, fill with the conscious youth. Yes. So I don't know if you know, Katie. Hey, hey, Katie. Hey. That's my cousin-in-law, <laughs> so, you know. I've oh, got, is it? Uh, yeah, and I've got to give Katie the props because she's been educating herself as well. Yeah. So yeah. she's with a black man, and it's nice to see that she embraces the culture anyway. Yeah, she does. She's told yeah. herself to understand the differences because she knows that she's bringing up two young black boys. You know, it doesn't matter that she's white. They are seen in society as, as black. So, and I love that. And for me, mixed relationships where is a man or a woman of different race understands the other person's culture, I give them props. It's not yeah. just about the clothing and the music. There is so much more to that. Yeah, Katie is one of the few people who are responsible for life experience. So when I first started, I was volunteering for probation and that's how I met. And it was just so, oh, wow. Yeah, oh, so I've, wow. I've, I've known her for quite a few years. We've not spoke much recently, but she's absolutely amazing. There was her and, like I say, a few of us that really helped me get going. Um, so speaking of life experience and conscious youth, mm -hmm. so what is it? Why is it? Tell me about it. <laughs> Oh gosh, Here do you want go. the one story or the half story? <laughs> yeah, the, whatever you want story. Why do you say, I've gone Serena, this is where she starts anyway. <laughs> well, when we started Conscious Youth, um, I was in the count working in the local authority on a, as a placement student and we're working on a project and I was set to work with what we call disengaged young people. Um, I do not like the term because I don't believe anybody is disengaged. We just need yeah. to know how to engage them. Um, and at the time, 
um, was working on a project and Sophie, do you want to take over? This is your bit. You've rehearsed this, definitely. We've said it so many times. Well, at that point, um, I'd had a daughter who had anencephaly. Um, so when she was born, she didn't have the bone on top of her head. So she died within um, hours of being born. Um, that for us was a point because Serena was like, right, you're on maternity leave. You're not going to wallow. You're going to come and volunteer your time. You love um, event management. You're going to use your skills. And I was like, I don't like kids. I don't like young people. They're hard work. <laughs> and then I met them. And as much as I was grieving, they helped me. I fell in love with these young kids. It was like I'd walked into a family and I just wanted so much more from them. So mm. we continued with the project. Uh, we had a massive event at the Huddersfield University called Back to Our Roots. And that event, do you want to explain what that event was about? Okay, it was like a culture sharing event. So the young people that, they, that was classed as disengaged were African and Caribbean young people. So um, we worked with about 24 of them um, and they all came from Huddersfield New College. And successful event, went back to the council after, these young people raring to go, wanted more, and said, is there any funding to do some more projects with them? And at the time, there were cuts to youth services everywhere, all across the country. And we was told, no, there's no more funding. And I think Sophie said to me for a joke, but she was being serious, but at the time I thought it was a joke. Um, let's set up our own business and draw in funding to work with young people. I started laughing and said, I'm going to the Caribbean for four weeks. <laughs> I was um, serious. Okay. On my return, I said, let's do this. And that was the birth of Conscious Youth. And we had this core group of young people who kind of led and kind of, kind of, you know, kind of helped us to transform and come up with the purpose, the name. They named Conscious Youth, these young people. Wow. And it just developed from there. We entered something called Soup, which is a crowdfunding event. Yeah, I, I entered won. that as well. Yeah. yeah, we won. And then we just went on and it was, it's, it's just grown. And it's yeah. become amazing. So no, we, we, worked we, with, we developed the program yeah. Stepping Up and Stepping Out. Yeah. Which is where we look at their core values, their self-limiting beliefs, who they are. Um, identity, the vision and the future. And we actually developed that with these youth people through the Huddersfield Student Funding. And that was, you know, it's becoming an award-winning program now. We've won an award for it. Oh, wow. Um, so that was the start of where we actually started from. And then we moved on. Sorry, so how, how long ago is this? How, so when did you go on holiday and then come back? What year was that? <laughs> we started in that 2016. Wow. So it's yeah. not that long. It feels like oh, yeah. Italy, you know, we're in our fourth year now. Um, and we've done so much more, so much in the last, what, three and a half years. It's crazy to think, isn't it? Like when we started, we started in 2015, but we didn't become official until like 2017, November. So like the end of 2017. And it started with just doing talks in schools. And then yeah. once you get used to doing that, you're sort of like, ooh, what's next? And now we've got like live theatre and we're doing virtual reality stuff. And, you know, it's just sort of, expanded to a point where we i would never have envisioned doing what we're doing today when we first started yeah and yeah is that the same for you have, have you gone have you have you been doing stuff that you would never have thought yeah definitely, definitely um 
I think when we started off, we did a business plan. And <laughs> Phil, it went out the window within the first two months. <laughs> <laughs> because we don't feel like we can, re we can plan to a certain degree, but we are driven by purpose. So, you know, for us, we're, I pray, you know, I'm, a, I'm very spiritual. And for me, I know that I'm being guided and I feel like I'm being guided, you know? So we're just like, whatever's to be, will be. You know, there's opportunities that we're having that we never thought we'd experience, but everything seems to be aligning. It's all aligning. And the thing is, we do anything that you people want. Yeah. So because we're youth-led, it makes it very varied. So we've had festivals, we've had a culture share. Um, Social action. Uh, wow. Yeah. So we've raised um, over £80,000 for them to bring back a local park. And that started off with us having consultation. Um, and they've been going out, speaking to local people, local shops, businesses, saying, we want our park back. We need your support. And these are 8 to 12-year-olds. Don't forget, 8 to 12-year-olds. Amazing. Yeah, lucky. <laughs> so, and we do it with our older ones as well. But we literally, we run... Um, free youth provisions at the moment should have been for now, but COVID happened. Um, and we, you know, we're, all, we're forever expanding. We deliver our program within schools, um, within colleges, primary. Um, we don't know what we're doing one day to the next. Now during COVID, <laughs> we set up a whole new website. So you can probably see my t-shirt that says Youth Central. And this is an online um, digital platform. It's like a youth center that's online. So we're running live sessions where they can do fitness. Um, they can find out about their post options regarding um, what they do after school. They can find out about um, how to use cannabis safely. So we're teaching about drugs. We're going to be doing stuff on stop and search. It's about the law. Little cooking programs that we can do. So we've had to diversify ourselves to go online. So we yeah. can be up to date with these young people because they wanted us online and we were like... How do we do this? Yeah. Um, okay, we'll out. And that's our life. We're just figuring yeah. out as we go along. And it's like, okay, let's do this. I'm a web developer now. Yeah. It's, it's great because we're but, learning so many skills. Yeah. So the online thing is what the story was about. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's the story that I yeah. saw. I so how, how successful to, has that been? I have to say that, you know, conscious youth wouldn't be conscious youth without the many volunteers that support the work we do. Also the partners as well with Youth Central. Um, we're not delivering it all because we can't do that. We don't have the capacity, but we've come together as a collective and everyone's doing their bit, you know, and we're all working together and it's really nice to see, you know, for the common goal of, you know, providing a better future for these young people. So yeah. you can't forget that. Conscious Youth wouldn't be who it is without the many people that support us. Yeah it's it's amazing and one of my big things about working in the third sector is everyone's always fighting for mm. funding for yeah. um we 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 got some funding in february we got it towards the end of feb to, from for work that had to be delivered by the end of march so it took us a, um, a month for the funding to arrive and then what yeah. what happened was yeah. they there was there must have been quite a lot of money left in a pot so they said, right, we'll do it for this. And it's for four key areas in Leeds. And instead of saying, okay, all you guys are doing sport. Can you come together? I will yeah. fund a big project for sport. Um, 
and you guys are all doing lived experience you are doing drama or art or whatever it is and they didn't do that so they funded around 30 organizations which is amazing mm. but them 30 organizations were then fighting to get into schools in a very very short period of time so yeah. everyone's like oh we've got this money can we and like we don't care if you've got money we're not going to stop our curriculum <laughs> because you've got some funding um so yeah so the partnership work i think is one of the most important parts Definitely. of doing this it's been hard work though um you know when we first started out we were seen as a threat to that funding part um and we really had to build on our expertise and a lot of it because we have a program we've been able to self-fund a lot of our work ourselves and actually show people do you know what we're here to make a difference and we want to work with you but some people don't want to work with us and i don't know whether that's because the color of our skin the history of other black organizations um yeah. you know not necessarily delivering so what we've always done is make sure that we're transparent in everything we do, we'll show you what we're doing with the money, we'll show you the young people engaging. So we try and be very, very active so that people can see, you know what, we're taking the money and this is what we're doing with it and they can see where it's spent. And I guess it's taken, what, about two years to start knocking down these barriers. Yeah. Actually count us as, you know, one of the top players now that yes, we are involved and yes, we want to work with you. And we're great to work with, but this is our vision and you've got to align with this because if you don't, we can't work with you. And it's not about the money. Yeah. You know? It's not about the money for us. No. We sacrifice so much, Phil. And it was so funny because um, the other day we were doing a question with the Conscious Girls and we asked my daughter, what's the first thing um, I do, what I do in the morning? And she goes, go on my laptop. And she goes, what? <laughs> I asked her, what, what do I do in my spare time? She said, work. You know, what we do is at nine to five. Yeah. We'll be up at 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning working. We don't get, them, them are hours we don't get paid for, but we do it because we love what we do. And, you know, for us, this is, this is legacy. It's way beyond us. And do you know what? I think, I think that's the reason why you're, why you're doing so well. So we, we were similar. When we first started, we couldn't get funding because we were yeah. nobodies. We were unknown to this sector. I had no experience in youth work or running an organization and no one to give us money. I'd just come out of prison. So mm. I worked two jobs for yeah. many years yeah. where one job paid my bills the other job yeah. paid for the company. And then we obviously had to deliver the work for the company as well. So I had yeah. three jobs, one of them paid for the other. Um, and then what that helped us to do is to shape what we wanted to be because yeah. we didn't have to amend what we did to fit a funding bid. So yeah. because I was paying, it was just like, well, we're going to do what I want. And our ethos is and always has been, this is me. This is what I've been through. I'm never going to talk about something that I haven't been through. That's not my yeah. experience. And like you say, last night, 2 a.m., I finished editing the last video. I don't yeah. get paid for any of this. You know, yeah. it's, it's what, what we're on, 20 to 10 now. You know, this yeah. isn't part of my job. Um, I mean, I'm hoping if anyone wants to invest, we can put sponsorship. <laughs> I can, you get a T-shirt printed. If you want to pay me to do that stuff, then that's absolutely cool. Oh. But it isn't. I, that, that funding I told you about that we got in Feb, it was to deliver 12 sessions, um, some parent sessions, some school sessions, some creative sessions, 12 sessions across one for each of the ward. We ended up delivering 28 with no extra funding and it's because we put it out there and said we, we want to do this and everyone who said yeah we delivered that session to and that's how we've always been if we go to a school that has no money we do it for free mm. because 
the the message that we're trying to give to those young people is more important than the yeah. that we can Definitely. charge. And mm -hmm. I think from, I mean, I, I've known about the work that you do, but I've not known about sort of the effort that you've had to put in and the hours that you do. I'm learning all this now and it sounds very similar to sort of the work that we've had to do, but how good is it to be in a position where people now approach you and say, we want you to do this. So even though it's like the work, like those, when I had those three jobs, it was awful. I'm not going to lie. It was awful. <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing two jobs that I sort of enjoy, but just to be able to do this third bit that I love. And now yeah. it's just opened up this opportunity where I feel like for at least the next however many years, I'm going to be doing something that I really love. And mm. I get to choose what we do. This is the crazy bit. It's not like if I it's don't want to get up in the morning, I won't book an appointment until 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> I hear the you. passion definitely comes through. You can definitely see that. Really? You see, you wouldn't think that we've got kids, would you? Because we have. <laughs> we because you don't look old them. enough. Trust me. Oh. My children there, but you know, and all that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been an effort. Um, but one for me, gosh, I feel like I'm actually walking in my purpose. I found something that money can't buy. Yeah, you know, when you just feel complete, you just feel it's happy. It's a piece that you cannot even explain. You I know, good on a night now. It's like I'm going to bed. Yes, there might be a to-do list that's as long as an hour, but I'm. I'm at peace. My soul's happy. Yeah. And that's, that's worth anything more than any amount of money people can throw at me. And that to-do yeah. list is your to-do list. You haven't got somebody above you saying, <laughs> yeah. this is what I want you to do tomorrow. It's well, true. we have young people saying, we, we want to <laughs> When are you going to do it? We'll get messages. It's a bit like, hang on, gosh, we've just set up this website. I'm just a breathe. And they're like, yeah, but we want to do outdoor as well. It's all good having this. And it's like, I get you, but you know, the law, COVID, we can't see you yet. So you yeah. have to deal with this. And they're, they're a little bit understanding, you know, but. <laughs> yeah. So what, what is the website? Where can people find it if they want to check? It is www.ucentral.co.uk. We've got a Facebook page as well, Instagram page, and it's just UCentralUK on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's yeah, amazing. please like and follow. If you want to drop links in the comments, yeah. maybe. Um, and what, what's happening is this has been recorded as well, so this will go on YouTube. So when that gets posted, um, if you send me them, I can put them in the... Oh, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. Though. I don't know, <laughs> my nephew had to teach me how to do most of this oh, stuff. Man. Oh, yeah, you're a web designer now. You can help. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely really appreciate you coming on. Um, I know that it's probably sort of frustrating to have the same conversations. Um, and part of the idea of this is that instead of having those conversations, we can share the video and let people hear the advice, let hear people, uh, the struggles, you know, everything that's been going on um, and the names of the books that people can pick up and yeah. look through. So hopefully we'll have to have these conversations a little bit less. Um, I'll put some links on the books in the comments. Yeah, that would be amazing. But again, I genuinely, genuinely really appreciate you coming on. Um, and I'm looking forward to coming and spending some time over there as well. So hopefully we're going to pick this podcast up and start delivering it in different areas. Um, so I'd definitely be interested in coming over and speaking to you and some of your young people too. Okay. I think you're online. What are you waiting for? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's just do it. All right, then. Okay. Good luck, Brilliant. Big Phil. Good luck. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. No, Thanks. not a problem. It's been really nice.
I'll speak to you both soon. All right. All right. Thank you. See you later.